As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, welcome to all those in the room and all those joining us online. It's good to be in church today, is it not? Let me begin with a question. Have you ever done something for someone and they didn't say thanks? Whether a big thing or a small thing, I see some people nodding their heads saying, yes, it happened today. If you're a parent of a high schooler, just get used to it for a while. But the truth is, sometimes people don't say thanks, whether it's a big thing that you do, like helping somebody move. I mean, come on, man. You couldn't even say thanks and buy some pizza? Or a little thing like just opening up the door and, and you see somebody in a hurry and you just, you know, come on, go ahead. And, and they just brush on by. Second question, how does it make you feel when you do something for somebody and they don't acknowledge you or they don't say thank you? That's how we can make God feel that same exact way when we don't give him thanks, when we take his work for granted, when we don't look back and praise him for what he's done. That's what I want to talk to you about. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Samuel chapter 2. And we're in a series, for those, if you're visiting with us, we're in a series, so thankful to have you with us here in the room or joining us online. And the series is on prayer. And last week, we looked at a prayer of Jonah from Jonah chapter two, and we talked about a prayer of repentance. This week, we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter two, and we're gonna look at Hannah's prayer, which is a prayer of gratefulness. And so what I want to do is a prayer of gratitude. I want us to increase our gratitude and thanksgiving to God. And if you're like me, sometimes I'm moving so fast and going forward at such a speed that I don't have the time to look back and I miss some of the things that God's done and I want to take the next hill and get involved in the next thing and I don't take enough time to say thanks, to see God's hand and how it moved. And so we push on to the next thing. Anybody like that? Don't leave me up here alone. Stop it. Isn't it true we just press forward? And so what I want to do today is I want to give you five secrets. And they're not secrets of mine. And they're not secrets that I don't want you to share. They're secrets that we're to tell others. And I see these are secrets from this specific prayer to help us grow in gratefulness to help us grow in gratitude. So that's the aim, that's the target with this prayer, is that we're gonna achieve a greater level of gratefulness for what God is doing and has done in our lives. And so by the end of our time, we're gonna end with a mini prayer concert. So we're gonna pray, because we said when we started this series, we said we're not just gonna study prayer, we're not just gonna examine the prayers, but we're gonna have these prayers help us to pray. And so we wanna increase the prayer in our church because God's house is a house of prayer, amen? amen. And so we're gonna spend some time, probably five to eight minutes at the end, praying. Acts chapter six, verse four, says that the apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the word. 
And so we want to grow in our devotion to prayer and the word. We open up the word and we teach. We do it pretty good. We do it all the time. But we don't want to reduce prayer to just, you know, changing sets or putting a table up here. We want prayer. We want us all to engage in the prayer. And in Acts chapter 6 verse 4, it's not just about me praying for you. It's that we open up God's word and that we pray. So we want to increase our level of prayer through this series that will catch us as we move forward. Good vision? That's where we're headed. So let's do this. We've been doing it for the series. I don't know if we'll continue, but it's been kind of fun. So why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel, check the contents if you don't know where that is, and stand with me. And so we stand, and we stand as what? A sign of unity, yes, but more importantly, as a sign of reverence for God's word. So I'm going to read this prayer. It's an incredible one. We're going to focus each week on a specific prayer and pull out the principles. Let me start in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. She goes on to say, My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She says, there's none holy like the Lord. There's none besides you. There's no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord God is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken. But the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she has... Many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. The Lord brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. The Lord brings low and he exalts. The Lord raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of the faithful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not... By might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord, they shall be broken into pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed one. Father, thank you for this prayer. Thank you for the depth of this prayer. Thank you for the the depth and the application that it has to us. Hannah here is an example of not only praying the scriptures, but praying what you desire. Father, I pray that you would help us to look at this prayer, to examine this prayer, not to gain head knowledge about who you are, but to deepen us and to grow us and to put us on our knees more than we are doing now to give you praise and thanks. If you agree with that, simply say amen. Amen. Go ahead and you may be seated. And for the note takers, and we like you to take notes, grab that bull, uh, the front page there and you could take some notes. I want to give you five secrets. We're going to put them all up on the board. We're going to start with this secret to growing in gratitude. When I grow in gratitude, I rejoice in God's ways and God's works. So not only what he does, but how he does it, even though I can't see it. Sometimes God is at work and we don't know why, we don't know how, but he is. 
And so we rejoice in not only what God does, but the way he does it, which sometimes isn't on our timetable, but oftentimes, many times, all the time, it's on his. And we become impatient and, and we're not sure. And, and we got to rejoice in God's works and his ways. So let's dig into this prayer. Are you ready? Yes. Two people are ready. Three, yes. four. Come on, give it to me. Are you ready? Yes. My heart exalts in the Lord. First thing to point out is this, when we see L-O-R-D, I say this all the time, when you see it in all caps, she uses it eight times in this brief prayer of 10 verses. When we see that, it's for Yahweh, the most intimate name for God. It's like you're on a first name basis with God. Prayer at its base can be reduced to a conversation with God, a conversation with your creator, that he knows your name, that the intimate Yahweh, my father, he's the one I cry out to. But look what she says, my heart exalts. Heart here is the whole of her being, all her mind and her emotions and her will. And she says, I exalt, that literally means to jump for joy. I'm gonna ask you to stand and just start jumping right now. Kidding. <laughs> but are you jumping? Some of us, our vertical is a lot higher than others. I used to be in that case. But jumping, what? My heart exalts in the Lord. To exalt is to jump for joy because of who he is and what he's done. And, and then she says, I skipped this. I didn't read it. I, I thought it, was, it, it can be a little confusing. My horn is exalted. Now, she's not talking about the brass section here at High Point. She's not talking about a trumpet or a trombone. No, she's talking about, she's referring, and it doesn't necessarily apply to us. We don't think of it that way, but she's comparing herself to the animals and to an animal. And to an animal uses horns, and a horn shows the, the maturity as it grows and matures. And, and that a horn is used for defense in a battle. And so she's saying, my horn, she's talking about her strength and her dignity. It's in the Lord. And so the strength that she has to fight the battles, to ward things off, the maturity that she has, the dignity she has, it's exalted not in herself or her story or who she is or what other people say, but it's in the Lord. And so isn't that a good application for us that we're not going to worry about what others are going to say about us, even in our own heart, what we think, but we're going to ground our identity in who the Bible says we are and what God says of us as chosen, faithful ones of his. Amen? Amen. Praise him. So my horn exalts, my mouth derides my enemies. To deride is to make fun of, to, to laugh at. And so she's not saying to go ahead and you got some people at work that aren't for you and just laugh at them and tell jokes behind their back. She's not saying that. But what she is saying is that my mouth it, it derides my enemies in that what? That, that I'm going to be confident that God's going to take care of it, that God's going to do it and empower and my strength are in him and my confidence are in him. And, and I'm not going to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I can speak up on God's behalf in the face of uncertainty. I mean, it's an unbelievable picture. And so, so let's look at the text now. And in that one verse, we learn that much. And and so, why is it that my heart can exalt? Why is it that my dignity and power and strength are in the Lord? Why is it that my mouth can declare his goodness and his glory in the face of anyone? Why? End of the verse. Because I rejoice in your salvation. Now, take notice. He says, your salvation. 
handle salvation first. What is salvation? Double click. For them, she was thinking specifically about how God delivered the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt and, and the bondage, the freedom that we have in God. For us, she was looking forward to the cross. We look backward and for us, we've been freed from the bondage of sin and shame and suffering because of Jesus on the cross and he's delivered us and we have freedom. And so she's rejoicing in your salvation. Many times we say, my salvation. And my is good because it's personal ownership that I've been saved. I need to make the choice. I need to put my faith and trust in God for what he did on the cross through Jesus. I need to do that. That's my salvation. Here she's emphasizing your, meaning this is all God. I bring nothing to the table. Point to your neighbor and say, I'm no good in and amongst myself. Oh, I don't know if you believe it, do you? Like we don't bring anything to the table. And in ourselves, we're desperate in need for him. Our hearts, we are unrighteous. We are unholy. Our hearts are deceitful. That's why she's saying, man, in your salvation, God, I rejoice, I sing, I praise you for who you are and what you've done. Your work and your ways. Now are you getting a picture of her prayer? It's a prayer of thankfulness and gratitude. So let me try to do something that um, is difficult because these words go together and it's okay to use them interchangeably. I've been doing it in the message already. But let me splice it a little for those followers of God so that we understand. We're gonna put it up on the screen. The difference between gratitude and thanksgiving. Thankfulness, what is it? Well, gratitude, it's an inward feeling. And it's an inward feeling we have for God and his work in us and the word. It's gratitude. But then thankfulness is the outward expression as we give thanks to God and his people. So think of it this way. Gratitude is, is a feeling. It's how I feel. And thanks is what I do. Did you catch that? Gratitude is how I feel because of who God is, because of what he's done, because of, man, I, I just can't believe it. And, and thanks is what I do to other people and to God as I am thankful and I act on his behalf. Again, they're interchangeable, but, but it's helpful to, is it helpful to see that picture? Gratitude's a feeling. Thanks is an action. I want to give thanks to him for who he is and what he's done. And again, just true confessions. I, I wish I had more gratitude and thanksgiving as we try to push forward and and we got to look in the rearview mirror more of what is God doing before we go forward. Second secret, we're looking at a prayer and trying to grab hold of the secrets to growing in gratitude. When I grow in gratitude, I reflect on God's attributes and actions. So this is who he is, his character, and what he does. And so attributes is first. If we could condition ourselves in our prayer life to focus on attributes, let's learn some attributes I'm gonna give them to you right away. We're gonna go through a bunch of them. We'll start it now, and so take your pictures because they're gonna come quick. Let's learn about God's attributes. This is a theology lesson, a course that you're learning that you don't have to take time to study online and you don't have to pay for it. It's free today. Thank you for saying thank you. You're applying the message. Is there some gratitude and thankfulness? But let's look at it. God is infinite. 
He's self-existing. He's without origin. He is before all things, it says in Colossians. Look at the next attribute of God. God is immutable. That means he's never changing. I, the Lord, do not change. Malachi chapter three. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to change. Yes, some of them a lot louder than others. And some of us have a lot, but we're never done. So all of us are never done. And, And the truth is some of us need to do a little more changing than others. I'm glad I'm not sitting next to my wife. And she'd be looking at me and say, yeah, you got to change some of that. And, and the truth is, though, that we all need to change, but God doesn't. I mean, he's perfect just as he is. And so we're to grow to be like him. How about this next attribute? God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. I mean, we've got all kinds of needs. God doesn't, for as the Father has life in himself, it says in John chapter 5. Let's keep going. God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Love this picture. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. I mean, it's, it comes from his mouth. He proclaims things into existence. The psalmist writes in Psalm 33, God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. Isaiah 46, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. He knows it all. Stop trying to keep things from him. And then how about this attribute? God's omnipresent. That means he's always everywhere at all times. It's hard to comprehend, but look what the scripture says in Psalm 139. Where can you go from the spirit? Answer, nowhere. Rhetorical question, where can I flee from your presence? Answer, nowhere, because he's everywhere all at once. But we teach and we emphasize God's manifest presence. For the note takers, write down manifest presence that even though God's everywhere, his manifest presence is he could be right here right now for us to experience him. Did you sense God's presence here today in our worship? Like like his presence is here, like it's, it's hard to explain. Yes, he's everywhere all at once, but his manifest presence is that I can experience him now through my praise, through his word, through his spirit, that, that he, can, he, can, he can manifest himself in the moment, and his favor. And so more attributes, God's omniscient, God's just, he's infinitely unchangeable, right and perfect in all he does, it says in Deuteronomy 32. Now we get into the ones we often say, God is merciful, he's infinitely unchangeable, compassionate and kind. Romans 9, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. God is gracious, infinitely inclined to spare the guilty. Isn't that not true? Yes, that he spares those who turn to him and and, and lastly, God is loving. He's eternal, he's unchanging, he's infinite in his love for us. Romans chapter eight, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's praise God for his love. Amen? His love for us. His justice is omnipresent. I went through that whole list because at the end of our time, we're gonna pray through the scripture and I, I want us to, to bring those to mind, those are things that as we pray scripture back to God, we're affirming who he is in our own spirit and that grows us and deepens our prayers. So you say, well, Ron, that's a really good idea, but where'd it come from? What do you mean? Look at the text. Look at what she does. Hannah does it. She does it in verse two. Look at the characteristics she uses. 
I didn't make this up. She says, there's none holy. She's talking about his holiness. Listen, the only reason that he's gracious, loving, merciful to us, we got to understand, to understand his love, you need to compliment his holiness, that he's separate, that we can't come near him, that, that, that his love, we can't, we're separated from him because he is holy. And that's why he brought, he had Christ come because he's the sacrifice that, that paid the price so that we could, we could be, have the imputed righteousness to come into his presence. And so, so she says, you're holy, Lord. There's none beside you. And then she says, there's no rock like our God. Love this picture. And so she's like, you're immovable. You're stable. You're, you're the foundation for which I stand. You're unshakable, immovable. Nothing can, that, that's God. And that's what she's praising him for, that, that he is immovable, that he is unshakable. So now let's do this. Let's, let's get into the context. This isn't her first prayer. So this is the second one that's recorded. Let's understand the backdrop. Some of you have been waiting for this. What's the message here? How does it fit into the context? Well, look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 1. Turn in your Bibles or, or flip over with your phones and get to the other chapter I want to show you what's happening so that we can understand her prayer at a deeper level. Verse 1 of chapter 1 mentions this guy Elkanah, and he's her husband. Verse 2, hold on to your hats, look what it says about Elkanah. He had two wives. Name one was, was Hannah, that's who we're talking about, that's the one that we're pray, uh, that's praying, and the name of the other is Peninnah. And, and so let me just stop for a moment and, and talk to all of us that, yeah, we see polygamy right here. That's not good. Agreed? Looking for a little more affirmation than that. This is a time to point out prescription versus description. And so description in the scriptures is different from prescription. Description is describing something that someone has done or is doing, and oftentimes it isn't good. God's not saying it. Prescription is when he tells us to do something, he prescribes us or commands us. So husbands, two wives, for the abundance of clarity, that is not good. It's description. He's describing what this guy did. He's not prescribing what we're to do. And it's so important to understand the difference of that when we read through the scriptures. And what I love about the Bible, just side note here, um, is that I love that the Bible doesn't hide these things. Some people say, oh, I don't believe the Bible. And like, it, wouldn't it have been easier to take away all this kind of nonsense so that it wasn't confusing? It, it gives us the real and the raw of human nature the dysfunction in all of our families. And it speaks to us exactly where we're at because God wants to pull us out of the pit of all that and make himself known. And so he's got two wives. But look at the problem. If that wasn't bad enough, look at the issue that's happening with these two. It says at the end of verse two that Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. She had no children. So now you see the difficulty here, infertility. And so look what happens Verse 5 says, if you can comprehend this, but, but he, Elkanah, gave Hannah double portion because he loved her. He loved her more. And how did she feel about this? Or how did she get along with the other woman? Well, it says that they were rivals in verse 6. And that Peninnah, I mean, it doesn't hide anything for her. It says that, that she, was, 
she provoked her and irritated her because of their situation. And so that's where we find this prayer in the midst of the difficulty that she's faced with. And so let me speak for a moment. Maybe you're facing something like that. Not two husbands, that shows that what? Well, the depths of the things that we'll do to try to solve situations apart from God, are you hearing me? We'll do some pretty foolish things. But maybe you're a family and you're having trouble getting pregnant and you're praying and you're asking God and you're seeing other kids and other friends of yours, are, they're not having any difficulty at all. And if that's you, my heart goes out and there's many in our body that 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 happens too. And, and so you're praying diligently and trusting the Lord. And, and I mean, that's a very, very difficult place to be. And so if you're going through that right now, please understand that I, I, I can only imagine the hurt and the difficulty. But sometimes in anything, we can turn to other situations and try to solve problems ourselves, and that's not the way to do it. And you know what the truth is, man? You'd be awesome parents. I know you would. You've been waiting on God. I stand here and so thankful that my parents, they struggled with infertility and that led them to adopting me. And so I stand here as adopted and so thankful because Jim and Helen Zappi, they are my parents, are you hearing me? And I'm so thankful for what they did. And so there's just other things. And as you seek the Lord and you pray for him, yes, I'll tell you, there's been testimony after testimony of our church where it's like, yes, the Lord, he, he worked and but there's other things, too, that, that, that we need to, to pray and seek him for. And so let's get back into the story, because I think it's very helpful to us that what happens next, well, she's crying out to the Lord. Hannah is. And she's crying out to her husband. Look at verse 10. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is it your heart is sad? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? This is just a picture that husbands sometimes don't get. It. Are you hearing me? They did, like, what do you mean? Why is she crying? Like, you're having kids through this other one. And, and she's like, what, what? And then so she's so in need. She calls out to the Lord in verse 10. It says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept. And she made a vow. Look at her prayer. Or Lord of, Lord of hosts, if, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And so here, she's crying out, characteristic God, Lord of hosts, and she's asking. And so much so, look at verse 12. Eli, the, the pastor, sometimes we pastors don't get it. Look, she's crying out, and Eli thinks that she's drunk. I mean, what is going on here? The Bible doesn't hide any of it. And then she answers him in verse 15. Oh, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I, I've drinking neither strong drink, but I, I've been pouring out my soul to the Lord. And then in verse 17, Eli prays for her and prophesies that, yes, you'll have a child and ask the Lord. And verse 20, you can see that Hannah did conceive and she bore a son. Interestingly, that wasn't the only child. She would go on to have five more. Let's praise the God for his goodness and grace. And then like, he answers prayer. And then we can see at the end from verses 21 through 28, it's just all about how Hannah she lived up to her end of the bargain. It says in verse 27, for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. I love that picture. 
I'm lending him, I'm giving him back. And she was doing that as a response to what she had prayed. So this passage, side note here, it gives us our biblical interpretation or application for parent-child dedications, that we give the childs back to the Lord, that we do what? That we acknowledge that they're not ours, they're his. They're ours on consignment as parents. For some parents, you're like, yeah, that's good. When do I give them back? <laughs> but isn't it true? It isn't easy. And so you have him for a season. You have her for a season. And and you're trusting, and that's why we make a commitment when the child is small. And, and it's really, it's not for the kid, it's for the parent that I'll raise the child in, in the strength and the love and the knowledge of the Lord. And, and that's what we commit to doing together. And we have a ministry here. We have a group. It's young family group. And if you're in that category, in that age, you need a group of people that you can pray for, that can pray for you, that can encourage you, that can share tactics and strategy of how to get through this season without too much damage. I mean, it isn't easy. And, and so we have young family groups. So as um, the service ends today, maybe if you're not involved there and you want to be, there's, we're actually doing what we're calling group connect. And so you can learn about the young family group. You say, I'm not in young family. I'm not, I don't have a kid. And you got anything for me? Well, it's group connect. So there's all kinds of different groups for men and for women and for young adults. And so we have all kinds of groups that we want you to be involved with other people starting this fall. So it's a great opportunity there. There's some food out there. I, I can see they got it going already. I kind of want to get out there right now. But we can get out there at the end of the service, and then you can connect with some of our leaders because we want you to connect with each other. Make sense? So that's Group Connect to get us prepared for the fall. A couple more secrets to prayer. Let's jump into the next one. That when I grow in gratitude, I, I recognize God's power and provision. And so this is really critical. And that, that we recognize that God's ultimately in control and God's ultimately the one that has the power. And, and so, so look what happens next in the text. You can see that, that she begins to pray and, and she says, talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. Now, at first glance, it almost sounds like she's praying for Penina, the other lady, like you're gonna get yours, girl. But, but hold on, I, I don't think that's it. And at first glance, we can see that. Yes, God is justice, he's just. But her prayer, it gets to a new level. I mean, she's praying and just asking God and calling out to him for, not only for her own needs, she has a, her eyes not just focused on herself, but she's focused on God and his goodness and his glory. And, and she, just, she's, she doesn't have her head just down. She's thinking and rising to a new altitude. And so look what she does. She makes requests on behalf of others. She recognizes the Lord. She says, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. She's like, the, the, the strong will become weak and, and the weak will become strong in the Lord. She talks about those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. So those who were well-fed, they, they're gonna become hungry and the hungry are gonna be well-fed in the Lord. And then she says, but she who has many children is forlorn. So what it's doing here is it's doing the same thing. It's a comparison and it's a contrast. And so what she's saying is she's saying, hey, you know what? Some have been blessed and you're not acknowledging the Lord and you're gonna go through some suffering, but some of us have been suffering and, and we're gonna be blessed. I mean, her prayer is just deep, isn't it? I mean, again, eyes not focused exclusively on self, but on the Lord and his work and his justice, his goodness. And, and it's, a, it's just a beautiful picture. 
So I think as I try to apply this to my own prayer life, I think it's good to recognize God's actions and his attributes before we make our requests. Good idea? That, that we would just you know, thank him for who he is and what he's done and what he's about. And, and, and instead of just going right to God, give me this. God, provide this for me. God, do this. And, but God still, he answers prayer. I think it's just helpful to pray in this way. I remember when um, I got the phone call, I was living in Arlington Heights at the time, and I got a call um, that my dad was being rushed to Cleveland Clinic. And so, um, you know, pretty straightforward that, you know, this is really dangerous, and I, and I don't think he's going to make it. And so I got on a plane that night and flew all the way to Cleveland. And when I got there, um, the doctor just said that, you know, there's just straight with you. They're like, if, if his vitals don't stay within this range and they go down, it, it, it's not going to, it's going to end. And so um, I prayed that night more fervent than I've ever prayed in my life. I mean, 24 hours, I was at his bedside praying for his vitals to go up, that they would stay and that they would hold. And the reason I did that was because I was praying, I was asking God for more time. I, 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 like, God, give me more time. My dad wasn't a Christian. He didn't embrace Jesus. He didn't embrace the work. And I, I'm just, God, give him more time. I, I promise that I will share. Lord, please do it. And, and, and you know what the truth is? Isn't it true that sometimes in our desperate need physically that we just, man, I mean, we pray at different levels, don't we? I wish I would pray more like that. But God used that situation and God gave him more time. And so Hezekiah is a guy in the scripture who prayed and he was dying and God gave him 15 more years. Maybe we'll look at that prayer by the end. But my dad, he didn't get 15, but he got about half of that. And all I can say is that situation and that circumstance, his ailment actually helped him to see his need for God. And he embraced Jesus Christ as his savior. And so sometimes, isn't it true that we're praying for people and sometimes the circumstances of life ripen the person to the gospel? And so maybe you're praying for someone and the truth is they got to go through a greater degree and depth of pain before they'll look up. Maybe it's a son or daughter and, and the circumstances of life, they ripen us to the gospel. And, and sometimes I don't want to say you pray for someone's demise, but, but it's at the bottom of the bottom when we finally look up and God used that situation for my dad, for him to receive eternal life. And so as we pray for people, let's just trust in the circumstance and trust in the timing and trust where they're at. Next secret to more gratitude in our prayer life. I feel like this message is for me and not you. And that as I've worked through this, it's like, man, I got to do this. And the next one is this. I rest in God's strength and sovereignty. So I got to trust him. And you know what? No matter what happens... And even if, what, if, if my dad would have went down that night, I got to rest in God's sovereignty that he's in control, that he knows more than me, that he knows what's best, that I don't. And I don't have all the answers, but God does. And so look at what we see next. Again, this prayer, she just prays, the Lord kills, the Lord brings to life, the Lord brings down to Sheol. We looked at that term last week, and and that's the bottom of the bottom, the pit of death. And he raises up, the Lord makes poor, the Lord makes rich. What is she doing? She's acknowledging God's sovereignty. I love that picture. And you can see it at the end for the pillars of the earth of the Lord's and on them he has set the world. She's acknowledging that God is sovereign and that God is in control. And sometimes 
those of us who know that God is sovereign, we miss the opportunity to recognize that we still need to pray. And so our theology, it, it, it prohibits us. Well, God's gonna do what he's gonna do anyways. Do I really need to pray? Yes! We still need to cry out to him. Not once, not twice, not three times, all night that, that you, you cry out to the Lord. Why? Hey, let's learn from some great saints. Look what Margaret Clarkson says. She says, the sovereignty of God is the one impregnable rock to which the suffering human heart must cling. The circumstances surrounding our lives are no accident. They may be the work of evil, but that evil is held firmly within the mighty hand of our sovereign God. And I love how Charles Purgeon says it. He just cuts right to the chase. When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow on which to lay your head. He's in control. He knows what's best. So Ron, are you saying that I don't need to pray? No, you're missing the point. Pray deeper, pray more. Look what Jerry Bridges says. God's sovereignty does not negate our responsibility to pray, but rather it makes it possible to us to pray with confidence. That's the time to pray more. Confident that God is sovereign and in control in this uncontrollable world. His sovereignty, his power, his goodness. Isn't this a deep prayer? I mean, it's just, it just it's deep, but it's so practical. And so I'm going to call the worship team up next. We're going to end the next six, seven minutes with, with a prayer. I'm going to lead you and prompt you as we pray. And so you say, well, I'm not into prayer. Well, you know what? The ushers are locking the doors, so you better get ready. <laughs> and so we want to spend a few minutes. And, and the last secret is this, that when I grow in gratitude, I respond with faith and obedience. And I love the response because look, look at the text with me for a moment. And, and it, as you look at this prayer, she says next, she talks about the faithful ones. And so, so who are the faithful ones? Well, the faithful ones are you and me. The ones that are faithful in prayer, the ones that are trusting in God. And, and look what it says, the wicked should be cut off. So she's, she's praying for the faithful. And, and, and then she, look at verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord should be broken into pieces. And so she's praying for protection for us. And, and then just to show you that this prayer is at a deeper level and, and that she's got her eyes and she understands the gospel, at least the gospel in terms of how she looked at it at that time in that season as they looked forward to the Messiah, the anointed one that was to come. Look what it says at the end of verse 10. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will strength, give strength to his king. Who's the king? It says he exalt the power of his anointed. There's a, a prophecy that she's praying for the coming king, Jesus the Messiah. She's got her, her mind focused on God's provision for his people for eternity as he builds the kingdom of God. Can we say amen? amen. I mean, she is just, she's a model person to pray as she gives gratitude. So I'm not saying forget about why she prayed because she saw God and God, God gave her a child and she responded. I'm saying, yes, that's a passionate thing. But it, but it didn't just rest solely in that. And that she recognized the prayers of people and she, she prayed to the Lord. So I'm gonna ask us all to stand with me if you would, please. And you can keep your Bibles open or you can close them, but I want you to understand I'm gonna walk through this prayer.
And I, and I want us to pray along these ways because I want to prompt us to pray scripture. And so are you ready? Ready? Yes. We're going to deepen. I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, would you, would you give us a spirit of prayer even right now? And Lord, we recognize that there's not power in prayer. There's power in the God that we're praying to. And would you show yourself strong? So I'm going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone a little. Permission to push? I just want to push us a little to be more responsive and all call out together to him. So the first thing that I see in verse 1, we talked about it already, is that she exalted God, it says. My heart exalts in this Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. So let's exalt him. I'm going to ask by section. I'm going to start over here to my left and, and just one or two people just why would you lift the Lord up? Just finish this sentence. Just one or two people. Just call out to him, God, I exalt you because. Go ahead, one or two people. Oh, we are loved. People are shouting. And so when you hear something, let's, the rest of us, we just affirm it in our spirit. And you say, yes, Lord, that is true. We're praying together. So give me another one. God, you are loved. What? What else? Because why do we exalt him? Say it again. Because righteous. Because he is righteous. God, you are righteous. God, you are holy. And we exalt you in this place. Affirm that in your spirit and let the light God lead you. See, what we're doing is we're letting the scripture lead us. And then we're leading, we're allowing the spirit to, to, to comfort us. How about this section? Finish that sentence. One or two people. Go ahead. He's our rock. It's peace, I heard. He's a shalom. He's our peace. He's our healer. He's our provider. God, I thank you because you provide healing. God, I thank you because you have redeemed me. God, I thank you because you have been there for me. Even when I turn my back on you and I lift up today your salvation, that you are the one who saves. Come on, this section, I don't want to let it go. One or two things. Finish the sentence. God, I exalt you because... Mm, ooh, Elohim, that he is the healer. He is in control. He is the head. And Father, we exalt you in this place. Exalt him in your own spirit. Like, Lord, we, we exalt you. And then I love this in verse two. We've already said it, but now I want to give all of us a chance and we want to uh, give ourselves an opportunity to pray aloud together. And so even if you're at home watching, that you would pray aloud with us. And so all of us, to look at verse two, and she's praying because of his holiness. That's one specific attribute. I listed 10 others. Let's all at once now increase the spirit. God's spirit is here. His presence is here. We're calling out to him. Finish this sentence. Think of an attribute all together. Just let's fill this room with praise and prayers. Uh, uh, pray with me. God, you are loving. God, you're patient. Amen. Amen. He's sovereign, I hear. God, you're immutable. You are never changing. Lord, it is true. Oh, he is faithful. God is faithful even when we are not faithful. Let's continue. Just come on, press in and just praise him for a specific attribute. And when you hear someone say something, just in your own spirit, may that connect. And Yes, God, you are loving. And I'm so thankful you showed your love to me through your son, Jesus. If apart from him, I would not have salvation in you and my strength. God, we are not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. Let this be your prayer now. Let's sing our prayer to him, just a chorus. Let's all join in. 
good. That's an attribute of God. He oh, is good. Sing that. Make this your prayer. God, you are good. God, I praise you for your goodness. God, even in the dark, you provide light, God. You provide light in the darkest of days. Through your gospel, Lord, you are good to your people. You've been good to my family, Lord. You've been good to this church. Lord, you are a good God. You are a righteous God. You are a loving God. Lord, you are powerful. Father, we praise you. Sing that one more time. God, you are. It's good to praise you, Lord. Even when we don't recognize it. And maybe there's someone that's hurting even right now and not, not recognizing your goodness, Lord. May you turn their eyes, their attention to you. Let's continue in that spirit. And so now as we've thanked God for who he is and what he's done, Take a moment between you and God right now, and we want to give you a little bit of space just to, to ask him now. Make your request be made known to him. The scripture says if we ask for bread, God's not going to give us a rock. Just, just ask him for that thing. The scripture says that, that God gives and, and God hears. And so maybe it's for healing for you or for someone that you love. Maybe it's for a brother or sister. And they've been finding it very difficult and that trial is bringing them down, Lord. Would you help them to see that you are at work? Maybe it's for the salvation of someone that you love. God, would you give us the words to speak? Would you give us the actions that we would respond? Make your request known to him. to pray together, isn't it? It's good to thank God. So now I'm going to just ask you to do one more thing and appreciate your patience as we grow as a church to, in our dependence on him is that you would just get together maybe with the person that you came with. Maybe if it's your spouse, if you just grab this, your hand to the spouse and get together in a circle of two or three people. And I know it's uncomfortable if you're saying, man, I just don't want, just, just put your head down and pray yourself. But I'm going to ask for groups of two or three people to just get into some groups. And I'm going to ask you to pray specifically according to Hannah's prayer. And Hannah prayed for the faithful ones. And she prayed for God to deliver them. She prayed for their protection. She prayed for guidance. So let's just get into a couple little groups and just don't introduce yourself. You don't have to say anything. Just bow your heads and just begin to pray and pray for God's protection. Pray specifically for God's protection over the person that's next to you. That, God, you would protect and that you would strengthen. Lord, maybe there's a, a decision that needs to be made that you would provide strength. God, maybe there's a difficult circumstance that we're walking through that you would provide protection. God, would you provide protection to our church, to our church families, to people here. God, would you strengthen us to protect that, Lord, we believe that you have been faithful even when we are unfaithful and we are calling out to you now that you would strengthen our church, that you would strengthen the family of God, that, Lord, you would even strengthen the churches, the gospel-preaching churches in the area. That we call on your protection as we're living in a day and an age where we're swimming upstream against what your word requests and what you desire. Lord, we need your protection here at High Point for the families and for the individuals. Continue to pray. And then join us when you're ready to worship.